What's up, everyone, and welcome to The Corporate Bartender. The conversations keep coming, and they just keep getting better and better and better. And today's? Well, settle in, because this one is a ripper. Today, we're talking positive communication, why it matters, and how to do it. We'll talk about the impact of simple things like greetings, compliments, and about the power of vulnerability. These simple tips can help you transform your workplaces and have a blast doing it. We had a blast with today's guests. They are Julian Miravel and Alexander Lyon. And if you don't know this dynamic duo, you know we got your back. Julian Miravel is an award-winning teacher, author, and professional speaker. Originally from Paris, France, he is among the founding scholars in the emerging field of positive communication. He's also a TEDx speaker and the founder of Positive Communication Network. Alex Lyon is a professor of communication at SUNY Brockport, also an author, consultant, and speaker, specializing in leadership and workplace communication. He's a pretty big deal YouTuber, too. His channel, Communication Coach Alex Lyon, sports over half a million subscribers. They wrote a book together called Positive Communication, and we're going to talk about that today. And this conversation was so good. I think you're going to dig it. So buckle up, TC Beers, grab your favorite cocktail, and let's get right on into it with Alex Lyon and Julian Miravel on today's TCB. Welcome to Sky Team's The Corporate Bartender, where we gather some of the best HR and people leaders to discuss what's happening on the people side of business. Now pull up a stool, belly up to the bar, and join us for The Corporate Bartender. Let's do that thing that we do. Welcome, everybody. It is Wednesday. It's your favorite day and mine. It is Corporate Bartender Day. It is freaking November already. <laughs> Halloween is in the rearview mirror. We are 60 days-ish away from resolution time and everyone declaring how much weight they're going to lose and not yep. doing it. <laughs> Lying to themselves again. Lying to themselves and their friends and family. This is the 182nd know, I, time we've convened this group of awesome people. It's good to see every one of you. How you doing today? Doing great. Excellent. You, Today's going to be a fun show. We, oh, what's that, Laurel? What do you, you got? You know, Eric, I, yeah. I, I heard that you and I had the same goal for 2023, which was to lose 20 pounds this year. And I only have 25 to go. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. I'm going to give you applause for that. I was going to say I need a rim, needed a rim shot or something. <laughs> I am now going to be quiet. <laughs> I'm holding to it. Uh, no, I will never hold you to it because you can't hold your tongue. Today is going to be a fun day. We've got not one, but two guests. They are co-authors of a book. They are Julian Miravel and Alexander Lyon, or as we learned in the pre-show, Alex the Lion and the original King Julian. You Madagascar right. fans I got out that there. Right. <laughs> They're the authors of this book, Positive Communication for Leaders, Proven Strategies for Inspiring Unity and Affecting Change. And we're going to get into a lot of cool, fun, meaningful conversation around that. Um, but first, I want to give you a heads up as to what's coming. I said I was going to stop doing this on the book's birthday, but more eggs here, so I'm going to do it. And I'm still a pain in the ass. If you have not purchased your copy of this book here, You, Me, We, Why We All Need a Friend at Work and How to Show Up as One, do so. And if you haven't written that review, um, Morag has $20 for you. We'll uh, get that out in the mail. Um, hey, Morag, I was, on a, I was on a show today. I'm part of the Twin Flames 5-Minute Advice for Authors series. And we did a, a meeting today with all the yeah. authors. And it was pretty awesome. And I got to see Stephen. And that was awesome, too. So Stephen George, Twin Flames Audio, if you're thinking about doing an audiobook, that's that's the guy, that's the team, and you can do it from the comfort of your own home studio. All right, show's upcoming. We've got guests November 15th, Neil Rogers, author of Bar Tips, Everything I Needed to Know in Sales I Learned Behind the Bar. And I mean, come on, I couldn't pass it up. He's a real live bartender on the corporate <laughs> bartender. That's going to be a fun show. Uh, November 29th, Jeff Skipper will be here. He's the author of Dancing with Disruption, Leading Dramatic Change During Global Transformation. So nice. heavy topic. 
looking forward to that. And then on December 6th, we have Tim Fortescue. He is the founder of 40 Watt Coaching, and his angle is all about leading with authenticity. And you know that we here at Sky Team love ourselves some authenticity. So that is going to be a fun conversation on the 6th. But today is all about these two guys. Alex the Lion, the original King Julian. They are PhDs who are graduates of the program here at the University of Colorado at Boulder. And in the pre-show, we were enjoying just being able to revel in what we have come to know as prime time. Because <laughs> when a French guy says it's prime time, baby, that's awesome. I think I think that's pretty good. You're right. I think that's pretty great. So we have Julian Miravel. He is an award-winning teacher, author, speaker. He's originally from France, as discussed. Um, he's among the founding scholars in the emerging field of positive communication. He's been on the TEDx stage. He's a founder of the Positive Communication Network. I mean, all this stuff is stuff that is near and dear to the hearts of everybody here in the bartender community. So I'm looking forward to that. His partner in crime, Alex Lyon, is a professor of communication at SUNY Brockport in New York. Uh, he's an author, consultant, speaker, specializing in leadership and workplace communication. And these two have been palling around for a long time now. And the result... <laughs> Of their, of their relationship is this book, and we're going to get into what that's all about. It's time to welcome Julian and Alex to the show. Let's give them a big TCB welcome. There it is. There's the danciness. <laughs> welcome. How are you guys doing today? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having hey, we're us. We're doing Eric. so good. Thanks so much for the introduction. Really so much appreciated. Oh, it's awesome. It is my pleasure. So we like to start off by learning a little bit about your journeys, and we have not one but two journeys to hear about. I imagine that when you were both we lads, this is not where you thought you'd end up. <laughs> Experts in the art of positive communication. So, Julian, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how did you get here? Hey, thanks for asking. You know, I mean, it's hard to talk about my journey without at least saying something. I was born in France. I was raised in France my whole life. When I was 15 years old, I really wanted to learn English. And so I flew from Geneva, Switzerland at the time, and landed in the middle of nowhere. And it's formally called Iowa, I think. Wow. And Did you uh, choose Iowa on purpose? or did, No, nobody does wheel? that. That's just <laughs> life choosing for you. Uh, you know, every exchange student in the world wants to go to Florida, California, New York, right? But that's not how it works. Families typically choose you mm. rather than you choosing them. Uh, but anyway, this was 1994. I came to the United States to learn English, and I spoke zero English. And so it was a really kind of that experience shaped a lot of my career because for six months, could not express myself, could not understand, could not communicate. Mm. But something magical happened. And that magic was that as I learned the language, as I learned to express myself and speak and understand, I was able to build connection. And it was communication that set me free. So for me, that experience, and then I went to the University of Northern Iowa, where I, you know, I always credit my mentors. I had professors there who inspired me, who made me want to study communication. And it's been my lifelong passion ever since. I've dedicated my whole professional career to this. As Alex and I both know, we both have master's and PhD from CEO Boulder in communication. All my degrees are in this, and I've been a professor now for 18 years. So wow. I love it. And I think that experience is at the root of why I study it, but also because I always wanted to improve my own skills as a communicator mm -hmm. and then to help other people do the same. Oh, I love it. Thanks, Julian. How about you, Alex? Well, my story, story is I taught Julian how to speak English. Let's just say <laughs> I, I was... I was part of the family that brought him over. <laughs> oh, too funny. We actually, so I, I had a very similar experience in undergrad in terms of loving communication. I said, and I looked at my college professors. I said, I think I want to do what they do. So I went to grad school. Julian and I met up there 25 years ago yeah. in graduate school, got to know each other. I think we might have shared a part of an office at one point and started teaching together at the University of Arkansas as my, my first job, his first job. And we wrote together, researched together, published together, presented together, and, and finally found our way to write a book together. So that's the short version of it. That's fantastic. Where did, where did you grow up, Alex? 
I grew up in Rhode Island and moved around quite a bit. I've lived in um, like five or six different states, but Rhode Island was where I was born and raised. Right on. Awesome. Well, I love the ideas in your book. And when I got from your publicist, the pitch, um, they, they do this thing like it, when they break down their message, it's the, the segment idea and then they call it the big idea and then the so what. And what they included in the big idea was fascinating to me. It was the comment about the 2022 World Cup and Antoine Griezmann raving about uh, Didier Deschamps. He said, I owe him everything. Every move I make, every game I play is like a thank you that I'm sending him. And this is their hook that hooked me. Could your employees say the same thing about you? Mm. They need to be able to. Mm. So, I mean, that's a launch point for us here. What is it about that, that example that made you guys go, oh, leaders need to be able to operate in that space. This isn't a nice to have. This is a need to have. Julian, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, first, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the French soccer team. Uh, and it was a hard one when we lost to uh, Argentina here a couple of years ago now. But, mm -hmm. you know, there's two things I love about the story. One of them is that, first of all, Griezmann is not the only one who loves the coach. Right. There's a myriad examples of players saying working for this guy is just a different experience. The other thing is, you know, when we talk about positive communication and the impact of positive communication for leaders is you have an exemplar of extraordinary results, right? He's the manager of one of the leading football teams or soccer teams in the world. He's already won the World Cup once. He's about to win it a second time. So you're talking extraordinary results, and yet you have meaningful connection. Mm -hmm. And I think you can have people who do extraordinary results, but then people hate them. <laughs> you know, people don't like terms them. for them. And yes. <laughs> they're isolated and alone and they don't have meaning in their lives. And then you can have great relationships and people can be good at that. But I think it's this juxtaposition of extraordinary results, extraordinary connection that Alex and I want to get to. I love that. So, Alex, what is positive communication? What is it? What is it not? And why why should we care about it? Well, that's a really great question. What is it not? Let's start there. It's not all about being happy all the time or just a positive attitude and just <laughs> saying, hey, everything's going to work out and being all optimistic. In fact, uh, throughout the book, we share examples of very difficult conversations. But at the end of it, we're trying to help leaders become the kind of people who can take a difficult situation and get a positive outcome out of that instead of making it worse, who can create a culture that can sustain difficult challenges and come out on the other side even stronger. And in the book, we break down six key communication behaviors that leaders can do that will begin the process of becoming a positive leader. But essentially, a positive leader in the end is someone who could be inspirational, encouraging, and helpful and build a more cohesive and effective team ultimately. And I want to give Julian some credit here. We wrote this book together, but he came up with the model uh, mm -hmm. several years prior and published about it. And then we, then we built a leadership book around that uh, more recently. That's fantastic. So Julian, um, what was the inspiration for the model? Like, I mean, I, I, we have models in our book too, and I love hearing stories about how you landed on a thing that really seemed to work. So, um, you know, we have, I mean, the idea of the book came about 10 years ago and it really came from, oops, sorry, I've got my dog. Sorry, guys. Hold on a second. <laughs> That's life. I can, life. I can, it's all right. I can share the story. So about 10 years ago, Julian, uh, was looking at when people are having extraordinary moments, when they're at their best and when followers and other people are experiencing their best from their leaders, what is the bottom line behavior that the leaders are doing that other people are bringing to the equation. And through that investigation and research, Julian narrowed it down to these six behaviors that he published in his first book called The Art of Positive Communication. And the, the model has since been, been verified and validated by external researchers that we didn't even know, which was really great. And, we, and they found that they work for everybody. 
You know, they work, it doesn't matter, gender, race, background, anything. These are the six behaviors that positive communication, that positive leaders do when they're at their best and when they're bringing out their best and, and their people. That's Very fantastic. Cool. Jillian, can you tell us what those six behaviors are so we can whet our appetites here on this? Sure. So, you know, part of what we were trying to do is identify small little things. So the behaviors have to be controllable. They can't be outside of our scope of control and they have to be manageable to learn. And they also, what I think I love about the behaviors is that they, they can build with the challenge ahead of the interaction. And we can talk more about this. So the six behaviors are this, when you greet, you have the ability to create. When you ask, you have the ability to discover. When you compliment, you have the ability to affect. When you disclose, you have the ability to deepen relationships. Mm. When you encourage, you have the ability to give the support people need to succeed. And then the last one is listening. And when we listen deeply, we can transcend the perceived differences that exist between us and other people. So six easy behaviors that can elevate and, and are most needed when the interactions become difficult. What I love about that model is that you get you get the reason included in the behavior, right? When yeah. you greet, you get <laughs> to create. So it's not just a, a model for model's sake. As a reader, you know, what am I going to get out of this? Oh, I get it. Um, one of them is complimenting. And you guys refer to this as an oft overlooked skill. Why is complimenting important? I'll talk about complimenting. In the workplace, there is a real shortage of positive feedback from leaders. We get so busy. We usually point out when people need to do things better than they're doing them and we give them corrective feedback, but complimenting people's work, complimenting their, who they are as a person is one of the great ways to essentially bring out even more of what's awesome in people. When we compliment, we're not just giving feedback to get more of that good behavior. We're actually casting, in a way, a vision for who that person can become in the long run. It gives you something to live up to when someone gives you a positive compliment. When someone says, you know, I think that this is a real strength for you. Maybe you didn't even realize it in the first place, but then you think, oh, this is a strength for me? Well, I better pay even more attention to that. And so it brings out other people's best. And for anyone listening, I'm sure the people on the call right now, when someone gives you a sincere compliment, that can stick with you for years and years, especially mm -hmm. if it comes from someone who's a, in a, a leader, like a high status person, you can really land and shape how you see yourself. So there's lots of great reasons to give compliments. Is, that, is there a distinction between compliments and recognition, right? Because I know that there's also people have a different, you know, there's a spectrum of how much people want or don't want of various kinds of recognition. And so how, does that kind of fit into that about, um, you know, see, seeing them and articulating the value and that kind of thing? Are those kind of synonymous that way? We'll let Julian handle this one. <laughs> so, I mean, I do think there's a difference. They are similar, right? So complimenting is the behavior, recognition, maybe the, the experience or the feeling. Okay. In the book, we talk about, you know, how you can move from the behavior to really employee engagement at the organizational level. So to me, recognizing people often is connected to a sense of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Complimenting, you know, and this is why it's so connected to the word effect. So, you know, we get our sense of identity, not just from knowing ourselves. We get our sense of identity from what people tell us about who we are. Mm -hmm. And complimenting mm -hmm is the most straightforward way of saying to another person, here's who I think you are. Mm. So to me, that's the big, that's the big catch with the behaviors that yes, it contributes to employee engagement. We certainly, we want people recognizing each other, mm -hmm. but complimenting for me, it's about, we often have in our minds a positive view of the other, but we don't say anything. And <laughs> there are, Therein lies the opportunity for growth, right? Uh, in terms of being a leader, it's expressing it that's going to have the impact. If you don't say anything, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. That's great. Um, I like that it starts off with greeting. I mean, greeting is a thing that we just do. Does anybody think about greetings and how they do it? Why 
is that in the model and why is it important for leaders to pay attention to? So I can start there, maybe <laughs> Alex, you know, with a greeting I'll, that you can tag it. So, you know, greeting, I mean, so part of my background in research at CU Boulder was I studied human interaction very, very closely. So what I would do is we would record interaction, we would transcribe it, and then we would analyze it sometimes frame by frame. So we would know what people are doing with their hands or their eyes. Okay, mm. so this is kind of what, what's called microethnography. And one thing I learned from all of that research was every interaction begins with greetings. And when it's not there, there's a problem. Mm. It's a noticeable absence. It's also the way that we go from being isolated and alone in our own lives, right? To being connected to another person, meaning greeting is the bridge between me and you. Mm. You can go anywhere in the world. You know, I was just in Saudi Arabia. People greet each other there with assalamu alaikum. If you go to Costa Rica, I was just there last week. You know, it's going to be buenos dias, buenos tardes. People are going to be starting the interaction. But when interaction becomes problematic or we become isolated, then greetings are not there. Mm-hmm. So we want it to be a point, and maybe Alex can tell you more, but we want it to be a point about what leaders do. That's right. We see the greeting moving in the direction of others as a leadership responsibility. If you just walk by someone's open door in the morning and you're the leader and you've not said, hey, good morning, how you doing, how was your weekend? You have not done your job that morning connecting with them. And when you open that line of communication, lots of great things can follow. If you just walk by them, that also communicates something, but probably not what you want it to communicate. And mm-hmm. now you're off on an awkward foot and the person saying, oh, you know, what's going on? I, is someone in a bad mood? Did I do something wrong? Are, are they approachable right mm-hmm. now? Are they approachable? And so it's, it's a leader's responsibility to move in the direction of others you ha- they have to be the ones to initiate that interaction. And then once you initiate the interaction, it leads to being able to collaborate on tasks more easily. It leads to all kinds of other positive behaviors. So it sounds so simple, Eric, that it's almost so simple you might miss it. Right. But we have seen that when people aren't greeting in emails, when they're not greeting face-to-face, when they walk into a meeting room and they just sit down and open their laptop when they don't greet, it taints the whole rest of the conversation. Yeah, this, the screaming nonverbals, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny, you know, I, I think about just how we do this show whenever we start it. And it, it doesn't always make it to the produced version that people hear. But I think it's important that they know we always greet everybody as they come in and we talk yeah. to them and, and we engage them. Like it's that leaning into right. community building, mm-hmm. which... I, I get, and it's funny, I've never really thought about it as a construct on its own or as yeah. a gateway into mm-hmm. different behaviors that would be opened because of it. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty great. Um, so and I noticed you did that, by the way. So when you did the opening, that was my first noticing is that you did you did do the greeting. And that that is a way you build communi- community, right? Communication is community. And how you engage in it is going to have a big impact. And I do want to add one more thing is that when we think about these behaviors, remember that they have really, you can build those skills almost like up to infinity, right? Right. Like think about how many of us can greet in 10 different languages? Hmm. Probably not not that many, but (laughs) if you did, that would make a huge impact, right? So when I went to Saudi Arabia and I'm starting the whole interaction in Arabic, I can promise you that that changes how this interaction is unfolding. Mm-hmm. So that that actually pops the question for me, Julian, because, you know, language matters. And right now we're in a frame where DE&I initiatives are taking a bigger chunk of, of the real estate in corporate communications. Yep. And I had always been brought to believe that, you know, even if I can't speak the other language, if I make an attempt at it. It's appreciated. And we were doing an event last week and one of our participants came in and he's from Peru and I greeted him in Spanish. I said, Hola amigo, como estas? And he, (laughs) he responded and he was excited. And then I thought, this is my, my critical self brain. I was like, should I have said that? 
could that have been construed as offensive in some way? Like, yeah. am I, am I stepping in something that, that despite my good intentions, I'm getting all sure. over my shoe? Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, I wonder what Alex's thoughts are, are here too. But for me, you know, the quick answer is yes, we can make a faux pas. You know, we can make, I mean, it could, it could lead to a problematic moment, but in my experience, most interactions where I have made that choice have only created excitement. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I you like know, that if word. we're flexible in our thinking, I mm-hmm. think that that behavior becomes more than welcome. It becomes exciting. Yeah, I agree. I think that the ticket here is to treat the person in front of you like a whole individual and not like a stereotype. Right. Not like a caricature of a group that they may or may not even really think they represent. Sure. You have to treat them like gold, like they are a special whole human being who deserves respect and dignity, and they will sense that sincerity. So yeah. even if you put your foot in your mouth a little bit, and we always do, they're going to get it. They're going to yeah. see that you have the right heart, the right spirit behind it, mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll probably love it. They'll probably love it that mm-hmm. you're putting your best foot in your best effort forward. Yeah. yeah. I think sometimes that's, I that's put my it. best foot in my mouth, Alex. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That hap- that happens too. <laughs> Done it many times. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's, right. That's the authenticity in all things. That's right. right. If, if you come in truly with that as your heart's intention to, to be authentic and to be, um, you know, present with that person, even when you screw it up because you, your word choice or whatever, I think they more easily grant grace because it's a, it's a felt experience, right? There's a, there's an energetic experience of like, you're not trying to be a jerk. You're trying to meet me where I am and maybe you missed, but (laughs) you know, so yeah, I think that that's, I, I really believe in that sort of energetic exchange of just the energy you bring into a room can, before you say a word can, can make a huge difference, right? Like that greeting thing. Um, we talk about how executives, CEOs, you know, when they, when they walk into a space, they yeah. bring the weather, right? Whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever that countenance is, is what they bring into the room. And then people react to it or feel it or absorb it. So right. it, it's such a important thing to be thoughtful about that is also a lot of pressure on leaders, right? To always yeah. be like, uh, am I putting off the right signals? <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah. It is a lot of pressure. There's no doubt. And you do have to be intentional because some of the barrier that most people face is, you know, we're not aware of mm-hmm. all of what we do. I mean, Alex and I have studied communication our whole lives and we're not perfect communicators. We too okay. have blind spots, you know, so working on those skills uh, to me is just a way of continuing to grow as a person and growing as a leader. And and I think we hope that people will embrace it. Yeah. So I want to, I want to touch on one of the other behaviors here, you know, here at Sky Team, we, we lens everything through relationships, workplace relationships and the work and research that we've done over the last 11, 12 years. Um, has indicated that the quality and depth of the relationships that you have are the biggest influencer of happiness, engagement, and productivity at work, right? So we have a model. Everybody's got a model. And these the, the model is, consists of what we call uh, the five practices of what we call an ally mindset. And one of them is courage and vulnerability. Yeah. And we, we, we preach from this pulpit a lot, right? We especially in American business, we're socialized to believe that being vulnerable is being weak in some way, right? You're the, forgive me, Alex, the, <laughs> the bloody antelope at the back of the herd that the lion's going to eat, right? <laughs> I, w- I don't take offense at that. I get, I get it. I get the joke. So in your model, when you disclose, right? So disclosure involves being authentic and being vulnerable and for a lot of leaders, that's no bueno. That's not that's not something that you do. You don't let the wall down. You keep that wall up because that's how leaders lead. And, and maybe that's a generational shift. But talk to me a little bit about disclosure and why that made the model and why it's so important in building this positive communication. I'll toss this one to the lion about to eat the antelope. Well, I really love how you're... you're coming into this because that is the one that people get 
worried about. They go, well, geez, I don't know. I can listen, but now you want me to disclose? The disclosure mm-hmm. is you're revealing things about yourself that put, people wouldn't ordinarily know. In the workplace, we're not saying you have to tell them all about every little, you know, we're not <laughs> talking about bringing the skeletons out of the closet, but you can tell them about your journey, your professional journey, your personal journey. We open with that in this conversation, and it helps us get to know each other. Leaders can be open about their real opinions, their expectations. Instead of making everybody read their mind, why don't you just say, here's, you know, here's what we expect. And you can do that in a really kind way that's helpful so everybody understands what the, where the target really is instead of being surprised later when they get reviewed. You can be open about you know, how you feel about things that are happening. And you can be open about your struggles. You know, one of the one of the best things you can do is is share some of your shortcomings. And we mentioned foibles. So like Alan Weiner, we quote him in the book, and he's a consultant to Fortune 500 CEOs, and he has been for a long time. He read a great book called So Smart But, and he says that he deliberately will share his weaknesses, small weaknesses, with these top-level executives. And the reaction is unanimously positive, and they say, you think that's bad. Let me, let me tell you a story. And then, and then there's something, I actually have my magic wand here. So in, in communication, I just saw that I have this. It's, um, when you disclose, what's the most likely reaction from the other person? What do they do? Like a magic wand. You feel like you want to reciprocate, right? You feel like, Oh, let me tell you about me because I relate to that. I've been through something similar. It's the closest thing we have to a magic wand in communication. When you disclose, the normal thing is reciprocity. And when you disclose and they reciprocate, you can feel the relationship tighten. You can feel like like in that movie Step Brothers. We just become best friends. Yeah. Right? Did you literally just quote Step Brothers? Yes. You are my best friend. Too. Yes. <laughs> That's what happens. So like we feel the risk, right? Mm-hmm. But as long as you do it appropriately, as long as you do it mm-hmm. gradually, you don't want to get too personal too fast, but there's a huge upside to being authentic, being real and letting people know who you are. Yeah. And that, right, kind of bringing in the whole topic that always comes up, the COVID pandemic experience and the the virtual nature that work swung to so hard and the interruption of some of those opportunities just out of, you know, constraints that we were dealing with for years. Um, I think that's, we're starting to see the repercussions of that. Like I think about people who were onboarded into our organization during the pandemic and had to form relationships in that vein. And it's, it's tough, tougher to do a daily greeting thing that's authentic Good morning. How are you doing? Right. Or let's do our coffee break every Monday and check on our weekend and write some of it starts to feel kind of superficial and, and, um, that vulnerability piece also difficult, right. When you you don't have face-to-face opportunity as much. So I'm just curious if, you know, how that's factored into how you think about these leadership competencies and how, how do we try to leverage them even when we have a virtual situation? Yeah, you know, I mean, so first of all, what, what I like about the behaviors that we share is that they can be done in any fashion, you know, in, in kind of for a professor, it's kind of the keyword, you know, it's a speech act. So it doesn't matter if you do it in writing, it doesn't matter if you do it by email, it doesn't, it's like the, the function of the behavior is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So I would say, you know, no, whether you are close or distant and using virtual, what you want to remember is that those behaviors is what's going to get you to connection. Mm-hmm. And we are in a real problem. So, you know, you mentioned that your whole philosophy is about having meaningful relationships, right? And that's what that's how Alex and I feel about leadership, but also about why we study communication. I mean, I, I don't want to give talks all around the world teaching people how to have surface level relationships. <laughs> and we have a serious problem in the workplace and in our lives. Like Gallup just released a global study on loneliness. Yes. And one fourth of adults in the world feel lonely. Yes. Bananas. I mean, 25% in the workplace, 52% of CEOs feel very lonely. Yes. So, you know, I'm going to come back to disclosure here. What's really interesting about this is that the behavior, so communication creates our relationship. It doesn't just reflect it. 
So what that means is that our communication is creating impersonal or transactional relationships. We're good at that. Mm. What we're not so good at now, what we're losing our capacity for is really truly meaningfully connecting with people and feeling close to them and having quality communication. So to me, disclosure is even more important than ever because as Alex explained, it, it is a magic wand. It's like, oh, if I share something, the other person will share. And the magic comes not from just doing the behavior. The magic comes from in the process, then the relationship is deepened. That's what we're trying to argue. Mm -hmm. And that can be done in a number of ways. Uh, as he describes, you know, setting expectations, uh, sharing information with courage. There's a lot of examples of that. But we have to remember that disclosure is the only way we can get connected to people. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would want to add to that is that the research shows that when it's virtual, when you're not face to face, it just takes more time, more effort, and you have to be more explicit verbally because you don't have the nonverbal. So you literally have to yeah. type it out, you know, yeah. or say it out loud. And my phone, uh, it's off right now, but my phone is filled. Oh, it is on. It's filled with <laughs> messages Busted. from... Well, I think it's on like silent or whatever, but anyway, this is filled with messages from Julian. Now we don't live in the same place. It's filled with messages. He sends me encouraging messages, very, very direct. Like, I just love working on this book with you. He's very overt. Pro he does it face to face too. And we see each other, but even more so you have to be direct about it when you're virtual because they're going to miss it otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's, so that's, yeah, that's like the extra layer, right? Is the um, kind of just punctuating it more with absolutely. That's well said. That kind of thing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You have to just say, okay, take a deep breath and I'm going to say something vulnerable here. Yeah. You got to just, I love it. Punctuate it really, yeah. really do it deliberately. Mm -hmm. So we talk a lot about, about the concept of intentionality and in a hybrid or virtual even if it's just a geographically dispersed team, um, you have to turn up the intentionality so much. Yeah, that's right. Um, <clears throat> because you don't get all the incidental contextual cues that you get, you know, just by occupying the same space. You know, Ruby will always tell a story in workshops about if we're working in the same space and you're having a bad day, I know it as soon as you walk in, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I don't always know it as soon as you join the Zoom call. Right. Right. So this notion of, of dialing up the intentionality is really important. And then it makes me think about just our own personal styles and preferences and tendencies. We use we use the disc assessment a lot in, in our work. And I'm a disc C. And like that notion of giving the positive feedback of saying the thing, it's not natural to me. It's not because I don't notice the work that's done because I do. It's not because I don't appreciate the work because I do. I just don't naturally articulate it. So I have this yeah. little sticky note that I have on my monitor here. It says, give positive, give positive feedback. feedback. I love it. <laughs> and I drew a little flower on it. And this is because of my work with Ruby, because Ruby at the end of a workshop will always give feedback, both positive and constructive to me in a very meaningful way. And I, I tell this story a lot. Um, we've been working together for several years when I realized I don't do that for her. And the way she's wired, she probably wants that. Like, it might be good. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, damn, Eric, that's a big miss. Nice work, co-worker of the year. Um, so how does just our own preferences and tendencies, because when I look at these six behaviors, I'm looking at them from a, a, a you know, a disc C and a Myers-Briggs INTJ type of perspective. Sure. Whereas, you know, somebody like Ruby or Lori who are SIs and much more relationship tuned are going to look at those differently. So if, if you were, were consulting with, with different types of leaders, what do you tell them about how their own preferences are impacting how they show up in these spaces and what knobs do they need to turn up and down? That's like 11 questions in one. It's a terrible <laughs> interview question, but no, it, was okay. it was coming to me in, in terms of my own experience, because I was realizing that I'm looking at these six behaviors probably very differently than Lori is just because of my own hardwiring. Sure. 
And I mean, so what's important to, to remember is that these are not laws for behavior, mm. right? They're not, you, I mean, they're not like do this at all times and they are not uh, fight against your personality types of things. I mean, we <laughs> right. want to welcome uh, the way that you as a person is going to use these behaviors into your own communication style. But I think there's an opportunity for all of us to learn kind of what we do and what we don't do. So when I do coaching, you know, I try to get a sense from people about which which one of those behaviors may be more natural than others. Mm -hmm. And then we also get 360 feedback, right? What do people think you're doing? And that can that can help you improve your communication. So Alex and I, we don't want these behaviors to be laws for, for acting in the world. We want them to be guides for action. Mm, I um, like I do think that they they transcend to me, they transcend personality because the reality of communication is that, so it's my new thing now, I like to tell people this all the time, is like people do not know what's in your mind. <laughs> right. They don't have access to your thoughts. You don't know what I'm thinking right now. I could be freaking out, you know, but <laughs> you only have access to what's on the outside world. You don't have access to my emotions, what's really in my heart, but you do have access to my communication. And in the world of relationships, communication is what creates relationships. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, yes, we can all have different personalities. Yes, we can come from different cultures. You know, yes, you're a woman and I'm a man. But at the end of the day, the behaviors don't care. Mm -hmm. The behaviors that's serve good. function in the creation of relationships. And to me, that's the lesson that that's in the model there. Julie was so nice about that. I have some tough love. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I Lion, thought, lay it on the I line. Kept, I kept thinking he was going to turn the corner and tighten No, I'm not. <laughs> In the book, we talk about this. We didn't invent this, but leaders have what we call communication-based responsibilities. We believe it's literally part of your job description to build positive relationships. And so if your people need, if Ruby needs good feedback, positive feedback, that's great. and she's not getting it, she's going to go find it somewhere else. Yeah, that's on me, right? Yeah. Yeah. At some point, you have to say, these are skills, like any other skills. And just because it's not my strength, it doesn't mean I can't get better at it. Right. You know, you might not be ever be as good as Ruby is naturally giving positive feedback, but you starting where you are, Eric, can get better at it. And I'm, I'm pointing at you, right? But it's everybody. <laughs> it's everybody. I, I it's like public speaking, you know, like, oh, I, I get nervous when I speak. It's like, that's not an excuse because you're, <laughs> in a, you're in the training department and you've got to stand up there, you know, four times, <laughs> four times a month and do this. It's in, it's in your job description. Right. And we believe these six behaviors are in every leader's job description. And you're not sure. going to be great at all of them at first, but you, everybody can get better with practice. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's true, right? <clears throat> I used to feel bad and, you know, I would try to shoulder the the change on my own. Like, I don't need tools or systems or reminders. And at some point I divorced myself from that idea. This little post-it note, this is like the ninth iteration of the post-it note because I take it off and I show it all the time. Um, it's still the reason that I engage in that behavior. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed about it, right? Like I have a reminder and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I have a, a leader in, in our group who um, knows that he is not, his natural place is not super empathetic, right? Yes. And he's a people leader. And so he has, you know, when he tracks one-on-one -on -one meetings or he has notes to share, he's taking in information. He basically has a template that he uses where at the top of it, it says, show empathy. Like that's <laughs> like, <laughs> I know this is not my default way I show up. So I have to give myself a reminder. And so he built a template for it. So every time he goes there for his one-on-one -on -one meetings, show empathy, right? Okay. So yeah, I totally get it is you have to flex, you have to flex yeah. the space. And, and I think in these kinds of situations, the, the payoffs are so real and they're so immediate and they're so meaningful that it reinforces an uncomfortable behavior or a not, you know, natural behavior. It makes it easier. 
Yeah, can I share a quick story? My brother or sister, see there, Lori. Thank you. <laughs> Do you mind if I share a quick story? Because to me, this illustrates some of what we're talking about. Because Alex is right on the spot. It is a learnable skill, mm -hmm. and it is important to learn those behaviors. So uh, I'm glad that you helped make the switch there, uh, Alex. But you know, so a couple of weeks ago, I was in Costa Rica and I was doing a presentation there. One evening, I went to a restaurant and I was all by myself. So they put me at the bar. Two seconds later, there's a guy that comes right after me. And he's, I just make a conversation, kind of like what we're talking about. Hey, how are you? You know, because clearly we're all alone here. And uh, he's from Japan. So he's a Japanese executive. And he tells me that he is undergoing a personal shift, like a personal transformation in his approach to leadership. Mm. And the big one was this. He says, for years, I would come to the office and I would go straight to my PC and start working. I, I wouldn't say hi to anybody. Uh, I didn't want, I was the boss. I felt like it was, you know, inappropriate for me to connect with people. Mm. And even when they came into his office, he said, I'd be on the computer and he would say, okay, thank you. And he would pick up the paper and keep on working, you know? Mm. And then he said, I realized that, you know, I, I was treating people hierarchically. I was treating people like an object. I was the boss talking to objects. Mm. And I thought, this is such a poor way of being. Mm. And it was natural. He said, you know, I grew up this way. I grew up, you sure. know, in Japan particularly, not expressing my views, not fighting, you know, against um, hierarchy in particular ways. He says, I learned that I had to move my style from boss to object, essentially, to person to person. Wow. And he was in the middle of this crisis a little bit. So, you know, I gave him a couple tips. And so he actually just emailed me uh, last night to say, I'm trying all these things. <laughs> not his style, but I guarantee it yeah. that it's only going to do good for him. Yeah. Well, That's love it. awesome. Love it. I love it. I, I want to allow a couple of minutes for questions from folks because um, we're nearing the top of the hour. Um, this has been fantastic conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid we're going to have to schedule a part two. So <laughs> buckle up, buckle up guys. So hey, no uh, I want to open the floor. I'm going to remove these spotlights here and open the floor for questions. Who's got questions for, for Julian or Alex here? Ruby's like, I'm trying to wait because I always have questions. Ruby's always first. I was trying <laughs> I don't, to get in there. I don't, I'm trying, I was trying to be good. Did you see that, Laurel? Do you I was, and, I, and I'm talking going, oh, you've got to turn off the flip and mute button first of all. <laughs> uh, all right, Laurel, you have the floor. You have the first question. All right. Actually, it's, it's almost to Lori because I have and I might want you to edit this out, Eric. Fair. Because I have someone I work with now who I'm so thankful I don't work for because mm. he has, thanks to a coach, the checklist. Mm. Be empathetic. Ask them about their family. Ask them, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it is so obvious by his actions mm -hmm. that that ain't him and he doesn't give a rat. Mm. Yeah. So well, it's that's, not the, no authenticity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The sticky note, the sticky note doesn't matter if <laughs> being an asshole is you deliver. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Ruby, that was awesome. Glad you really took them in that direction. Are we done now? Right. Like, you can't, it doesn't matter if you have the tip or the reminder right. if you're not feeling it because, well, right? People get it. Well, honestly, I was just on Amazon going, okay, I got to order this book read it and then make it a book club book Thank you. Um, because a it'll sell more books for you guys but um he's read everything we've done on the book club so oh. yeah. it's not like this is a dumb person or one who doesn't yeah. care yeah but i love the whole it, it's that authenticity and and it's it starts with that simple hello and and the greeting and then mm -hmm. the thank yous and and things like that. Love yeah. it. Julian dropped into chat the Amazon link for you, Laurel. So 
<laughs> and as a fellow author, I'll say, write him a review after you read the book. Really Thank matters. you. We do want reviews. <laughs> but will Morag give me a 20 for writing that one? Because 100%. <laughs> He's got it right there. There it is. I'm, I'm willing to negotiate. <laughs> oh, you got five. five. Oh, 25. Oh. <laughs> awesome. That Shannon, you came great. on video. Do you have a question? No, I needed the link and they gave it oh. to me. So thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right, Ruby Dooby Doo. I don't have a question um, necessarily. Just I have so many comments, but I'll, I'm trying to think about what's the um, the most resonant ones. Um, I just like my mind is sort of exploding as you were speaking because there's so much connection to the work that we do. Um, around building relationships and, and teaching leaders how to be as leaders, not necessarily what to do. Um, so I am going to share this book with my coaches, and we have a um, a list of books for our the people in our cohorts of leaders that we we teach and lead over months at a time. So I'm definitely going to recommend this book. I haven't heard it sort of laid out this way. And also just thinking about from a coaching perspective, um, there's something I think, Julian, you said about our communications, creating our relationships yeah. and the way that I was trained as a coach, that the power is really in the relationship. They kind of drew it as a triangle, right? There's yeah. me as the coach and the coachee, and it's our relationship that actually adds power and creates a container that helps facilitate their growth and learning. Um Right. So it's, it was just so aligned. And even the um, the complimenting I was taught about the, the wording they used was acknowledging, like, what do you see in other people? Right. Like, you're courageous. Mm -hmm. You know, you are wise, whatever that thing is, you are authentic. Um, yeah. It just you see people light up. Mm -hmm. um, so those were kind of two of the things that really just landed for me. So love your work. And I'll definitely be sharing it. And I'm also going to dig in more. Thank you so very much. That's great. Thanks. I just wanted to point to in Slack, I shared a article from um, Neuroscience News mm -hmm. uh, and it's titled Zoom Conversations versus In-Person Brain Activity Tells a Different Tale. And so it's it's mm -hmm. kind of it's kind of in this whole vein of how we show up and energetically what what it, what's being exchanged on a neural mm -hmm. level that was pretty fascinating from a, a neuroscience perspective as opposed to a you know, this is how it feels. Yeah. Or, or opposed to like, here's a something in, you know, some HR society article, this, <laughs> right. this is a neuroscience study. So, I mean, the, the reality of how we're wired and, and what it takes to connect mm -hmm. at that level, I thought was, was kind of fascinating. So just, yeah, a I mean, just, just the idea of the different parts of your brain that light up when we're sharing the same space that don't mm -hmm. light up when we're looking at each other yeah. in the Brady Bunch square. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's that it's that um yeah, all of the nonverbals and all of the the opportunities to good morning as you're walking by the open door kind of thing. Yeah. Well, so. one of the things in that article that really caught my attention was that our ability to recognize faces and the 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 affectations of that isn't as developed when we're looking at a representation of the face versus looking at the actual face. Mm -hmm. Fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Awesome. They are Julian Miravel and Alex Lyon. How do we find you guys if we want to learn more about positive communication? So we can, first place. Can, oh, go ahead, Alex. You can find the book on Amazon or positivecommunicationforleaders.com. And you can find us both on LinkedIn those are two great places to start. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Big ups to Alex and Julian for opening for up this conversation today. Uh, like I said, part two, look for it sometime in Q2 of 24, because there is a lot of depth to cover here. And I think we have a lot of overlap in our ideas about relationships, and I want to explore that. Mm -hmm. So with that, we will move into our funny things, good feels, and semi-quarantine cocktail. I told the guests that they didn't have to stick around, but they were welcome to stick around. <laughs> so with that, we'll get into funny things. Funny thing number one here. <laughs> Before buying something online, ask yourself, 
do I want to get an email from this company for the rest of my life? That's so true. My goodness. Uh, Funny thing number two, I thought this gets the Innovators Award for me. Um, This was a restaurant in Toronto that renamed their menu items to office supplies so customers could expense them. <laughs> so you'll That's see the French fries genius. are listed as USB. That is hilarious. Mouse. I love it. Genius. Oh, I love it. I don't know if I'd want to order that dry erase. <laughs> USB wired mouse. That's so good. Basic steel stapler is a cheeseburger. <laughs> so great. In the spirit of the holiday just passed, not to be a Halloween Scrooge, but I don't like that everyone uses stencils to carve their pumpkins now. Jack-o'-lanterns are supposed to be an extremely unimpressive. Yes. You should have a vision in your head and then not be able to execute it. That's what Halloween's all about. That's right. That's the way we've always done it. That's right. Uh, this one made me giggle if anyone's been to Las Vegas since the introduction of the sphere. Oh. Uh, the view from my bed in Vegas. Oh, my. But my favorite funny thing, because I am a Star Wars nerd, and when you leave a bucket of these on the front porch for Halloween trick-or-treaters to pick from, there's questions to be asked. But the caption does it for me. Help me, only one pierogi. You're my only hope. That's so great. (laughs) Somebody left a bucket of pierogies on their front porch for trick-or-treaters. I'd get five of those. I would get five. That's that's my childhood. That's my childhood right there. (laughs) Help me. Only one pierogi. All right. Today's good feels story. It's a tearjerker. Steve Hartman's going to get you. Finally tonight, they say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. CBS's Steve Hartman found one home where it's good for the body and the soul on the road. They come together at the crack of dawn from all directions, converging on this tiny house in St. Louis, Missouri, for their weekly Wednesday visit with 66-year-old Peggy Winkowski. It's raining. Grandma Peggy brings everyone together. She's just like a built-in grandma to all of us. She cares for us a lot. She really cares for us. The students who visit Grandma Peggy attend Bishop DeBerg High School and are part of what they call the Wednesday Breakfast Club. Seeing the spread, you can understand why kids might want to come here. But what isn't so clear is how Peggy got roped into hosting. The Wednesday Breakfast Club actually used to meet at this diner. Until one day, a kid named Sam Crow said, you know, my grandma could cook better than this. So the next Wednesday, they showed up at her doorstep. I'm like, okay. And they came all school year every Wednesday. That was back in 2021. And it continued merrily until that day when all joy was lost. About a year and a half ago, Peggy's grandson, Sam, a sophomore at Bishop DeBerg, was killed in a hit and run. The boy was beloved. So of course, breakfast was the last thing on anyone's mind. And yet, the very next Wednesday, and virtually every Wednesday since during the school year, the kids have returned to Grandma Peggy's in numbers far greater than before. Sam would be so proud, look at what he started. Everyone coming together for a heaping helping of healing. It melts my heart. It's really not about the food. It's just about being together. We benefit from her. She benefits from us. It's like we feed off each other. And we're like keeping this memory alive. So yeah. Good morning, guys. Everyone grieves differently. But those who manage it best always seem to blanket themselves with kindred spirits, sharing the burden, teaching each other to laugh again, (laughs) and building tradition to make sure those memories are as snug and sustaining as a warm meal at Grandma's. This is the best morning. Steve Hartman on the road in St. Louis. Makes Wednesday so much fun. He gets you every time. Oh, Steve Hartman. (laughs) So good. Today's semi-quarantine cocktail is Dive, Grandma, Dive. (laughs) It's a riff on the skydiving cocktail. You're going to need a little bit of white rum, one perfectly good airplane, 
half ounce of blue curacao, one 104-year-old Dorothy Hoffer of Chicago, some lime juice, a tandem jumper, um, and it's the new world record. And honestly, I just wanted you to see her face. Look at it. <laughs> that is unbridled joy right there. 104 years old, jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. This has been so much fun. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you to Alex and Julian. Look for more to come in the future. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Take care. Have a good dinner, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you had a good time and learned a thing or two at today's happy hour, please share it with your friends. If you want to join our tribe, head on over to skyteam.cloud forward slash TCB or email us at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again. And remember, you've always got friends at the Corporate Bartender.